Sorry, hold on, hold on a second. You're recording the meeting. Every time, every time we go go through this. Yep. You didn't tell me you said that you're ready now. Next thing you know, this meeting is being recorded. I was like, I ain't ready to make my statement. They should do that. I know I know the first like gang gang members who had to do a zoom in during lockdown. This means being recorded. Yo, yo, nigga, you know we don't do no recording around here. <laughs> like you're a guest on Vlad's podcast. I don't give a fuck where I am, nigga. <laughs> Oh, do no recordings. I watched the Vlad interview with Mac 10. He is an OG OG. Every question Vlad asked him, he asked him back. Wow. What's the point of the interview then? But we didn't tell him nothing. He was like, so, um, duh, 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 and then the cops came through. That what they said? <laughs> <laughs> He's two street. Didn't confirm, didn't deny anything. What? I don't even understand. Why do people go on Vlad TV? Do you think Mac? Do you think Mac Ten's been back? Why did he go? Is what I'm asking. But you know, you know, it's always an interesting. You know, he's doing BG knockout and all these OGs. So you know, Mac Ten's you know the next level. You can't get Ice Cube, and so you know, you probably think, yeah, this is a good you know opportunity. But Mac Ten's just not. That's why he's not a a, a, a forefront you know rapping artist because he's just, he's a street nigga. Okay, but still, it does not answer my question. Why do these guys go on Vlad? Like, it, it really Obviously, you might, you might, you, I don't know why at the time what was going on. Obviously, Vlad approaches people, can we get an interview? He might be promoting an album or something like that. I don't know. But the interview was very, it was the best interview I've ever seen. I don't particularly, Vlad sensationalizes hood culture. He loves the, as soon as you come out of prison, you're on Vlad's TV. So you were selling packs at four, right? It's like, you know, they're trying to redeem, redeem themselves and not necessarily glorify it. I love when a, when a street guy's on, on the, on the, I ain't trying to glorify none of this, but um, I, I was moving like a hundred keys when I was four. It's like, but you ain't trying to glorify, huh? <laughs> you can't help but talk about. I understand. He's like, he's actually yeah. just giving you the facts. It's the right, but the facts are fascinating. They sound amazing. You know, I had like the um the two the two hummers with the the, the low riders. That's know, that, that, that's where I'm like, you're glorifying this. Right? Oh no, that's when I was at my lowest though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah. You ever hear when they try to talk about how girls is around at the time? They're like, yeah, we had girls. Girls is come, go. We ain't even respect none of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so many hoes. Too many hoes. Like, okay, guy, we get it. Are you sure you're not glorifying this? Because the way that these guys talk about the, like that kind of attention. You can't really talk about that without some kind of infamy. You know, some kind of, wow, this is crazy. Like, if Escobar was to tell his story, you're going to be like, man, I, I want to be Escobar. Bro, it just reminds me of um, pastors that used to do road or used to be really bad before God saved them and they gave their life to the ministry. And they when they, when, they, when they're preaching, they want to let you know that they got street credibility, that they used to do mad stuff. Yeah. So they start telling you what they used to do, but it sounds like they miss it. It sounds right. like they, they they be telling you, you know, I was a bad guy. I was I was sleeping with girls. Yeah, I was sleeping with ganja. Oh, <laughs> no, I just promised you a house in heaven. It's, um... Hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm surprised drug dealers don't start churches. It's a nice cash only business. I mean, it's everything's tax free. It's a cash only business. You know, anybody, although people are trying to do chip and pin, you know, the pastor's behaving that. You know, we appreciate the car, but anytime, anywhere there's cash, please just drop it in. 
You do I like mean, a debit for tithes. You can do. Okay. You can do it. You can do it so they take it out of your check before they even tax you. So then you tax. So you got two tax people taxing you. Well, yeah. I mean, when you got that, when you got that pay slip, everybody's getting their money, whether it's student loan or uh, or these tax people or pensions or whoever. But you can put but, like yo, you can so, put charitable so donations they, on there. So why do they frown on people who want to sell drugs? I mean, how are you how else you going to pay off these student loans? I mean, they can get a job. <laughs> To be to be fair, like it's just to just to keep you going, man. No, no one's trying to. Not everybody's gonna flip and become a millionaire and be doing this ridiculous. How they? You know, why do we read books like Instant Millionaire? What's that? Sorry. So why do we read books like Instant Millionaire? Because the the hope of becoming a millionaire <laughs> is for everybody. The I reality my... of becoming a millionaire is for a few. Right. I asked my friend. I said. Uh... She said she read Instant Millionaire. I said, how long was the book? She said about 300 pages. I said, oh, that's, that's, that's a bit too long for Instant. <laughs> <laughs> that could give you two pages, but I ain't finished 300? Yeah, y'all ain't got a scratch card. Or nothing. <laughs> I ain't just got bullet points in this motherfucker. I thought I just open up the book, do this, do this, and do that. Nah, man. Imagine Instant Noodles taking three hours to make. <laughs> 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 you look, come around, and I got that instant noodles on. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, we're kind of hungry. <laughs> but you know, that's just um, human nature. Isn't it? It's not even, he's selling you a, a dream as well. He's trying to become that millionaire as well, and he can sell you the dream. What, you mean the pastor? No, the instant millionaire guy. Oh, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The hope of becoming a millionaire is for everybody, the it's reality of it is for a few. That's the worst commodity in life, hope. <laughs> I don't think it's the worst. What's the worst commodity then? Um, I think the the worst commodity is is fear. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, okay. I think I think I think more has been done uh, in the na- in using fear as a commodity. More like worse has been done using fear than has been done using hope. You think so? I think worse has been done using hope. They use Interesting. hope. They use hope with Martin Luther King to disrail their whole movement. They you know? use they use fear to rally up people to hate people that they've never had any problem with. They're coming okay, to rape but, your women. They're coming to do this, and then all right, of a sudden now you're on But then they gave you an irrational hope of one day we'll be together. I mean, let to be honest. We're just arguing two sides of the same coin because yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't I don't think you can sell people I don't think you can adequately weaponize fear unless you offer some hope. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's basically one in the same. It's like I have yeah. to tell you there's a big yeah. threat, then yeah. I need to present you with the options. Option of hope. Yeah. yeah, but you can still make it if you go underneath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. the hope. I, I guess you're right because they're one in the same. Because the same way you've done things out of fear, you've also done things out of hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hope that you know. Which one's the most reject? Which one's the most disappointing? The feeling afterwards. Is it that reaffirm that that um, is it reaffirming that you know I knew I should have been afraid in the first place, or that disappointment of man I just got my hopes up for nothing? Yeah, they're the same. Oh, that's. That's that's a tough one. I mean, the Bible says that hope deferred makes a heart sick. 
So it already recognizes. Spit that again. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hmm. So it recognizes that having somebody's hopes dashed will eventually like poison their mind and their their well being and their their emotional health and so on. Uh, but in terms of fear, the Bible also makes it very clear. Thou shalt not fear. Yeah, thou shalt not fear. You shouldn't fear anything but the Lord. And even that fear is a reverence fear. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know. So really and truly, I think again it goes back to the same point, man. Either one. I, I think feeling like oh I should have been more afraid and feeling like oh I shouldn't have been hopeful. I think it actually probably boils down to the exact same emotion of. Fear and hope. <laughs> of fear and hope and being disappointed with what life has presented you with. Mm. Having an expectation and mm. then having something that goes against it. Either way. Also, if you go in afraid, you know, you almost talk yourself into failing. Yeah. yeah well, I, mean, I, I walked, I drove, I drove with the handbrake on any motherfucker, anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do believe you should be fearless. Even if, even though I was yeah. being a cynical with the hope angle but as much as hope is i guess you know used as a as a carrot mm. sometimes mm. To, to mislead and i feel like hope also kind of takes away the, the ability to be to get content i mm. think in life you have to be content mm. okay you know? um, yeah we do i agree you have to be content and so what when people hope they hope for more than what they even need like i remember michael Edewa, of michael Edewa, they said I have to have like 88 billion before I can give a billion away. I said 88 billion. Golly. Let's go 87. He's like, nah, I can't spare it, man. I ain't got it. I ain't got it. He said he needed 88 billion before he could dash a billion. That means if he's on a million, he's not dashing anything. Bro, that that nigga gonna give you fifty dollars like Virgil, bro. Gonna give you ten pounds, like, hey, do something nice with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you just realize we don't hope for what is you know necessarily what we need. We hope for way more. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's the thing, right? So obviously, want to have a gated community. I don't want to have the best garbs, you know. It's just always more than what we actually need. Of course, and and to be honest, that's kind of in our minds the only thing. When when Obama was writing the book Audacity of Hope, the Audacity of Hope, I think the 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 underlying concept is that hope is supposed to be used for things that are not normal, like to hope that um, you know you can make minimum wage almost seems like a waste of hope to me. <laughs> but the reality is, is... <laughs> <laughs> the reality is some of y'all need to hope for that. So some of so, the reality is, most of us, okay, some of us are not on minimum wage, but the majority of us, how much are we, how much are we killing minimum wage? Well, we like, what, a pound 50 more? <laughs> Bruh, you you'd know? be surprised, man. You'd be surprised how much that extra 23p on the minimum wage have I'm a motherfucker stunted. That's you'd what be I'm stu- You'd be stunted on people that got minimum wage, like, oh, you're on minimum wage, huh? Okay. <laughs> I'm on like 10 pounds. How much you want? 12. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right. You're going to use that two pound to oppress the ten pound guy. Of course, of course, of course you are. Of course, Im- imagine, imagine, you make ten pound an hour trying to move to a girl who makes twelve. She's like, oh, I need. To, I'm trying to move up. What's this? You're a bum. Like, it's to be honest. Everybody's kind of got their own. Every, I think that's kind of what we do it for. Everybody needs somebody to look down on. To be fair, you don't need money to 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 to, to necessarily. Like, if you're good looking, you can bypass the. You can move to anyone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely... Women will, find out. women will find that a bit too late. And they'll even still fight for you because you're good-looking. If you're not good-looking, you have to have a bit of money in your pocket. Not too much, but you just have to have a bit. You've got to compensate somehow. 100%, so wait, man. There's I always, there's always exceptions to the rule, man. If you... I refuse, I'm just going to say, I refuse to say anyone's good-looking. He's not good-looking. Everybody's good-looking in their own right. But you know what I mean? If you ain't Devante with the shaved eyebrows and the genuine abs, you can't just be running up to him and talking about, you know, talk to me. We we need to update your references, man. No, 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 no. We're staying in my zones. I don't know. <laughs> your your good looking guy has been Devonte since the beginning of the podcast. You know what? When I was growing up, it was only Devonte. And you know what? Most girls who grew up with Devonte won't like him now because he's a light skinned man. Mad. Look at Do you that. know what I mean? They're, they're now Maurice Chestnut and you know Lakeith and all these. Oh, Michael B. Jordan is the new, the new, the new cake mix. Yeah. Or, or you know? um, what's his name? Idris Elba. Each other's not, he's, he's, he's out of the game now. He's more granddad. Is it? Oh, it's just out now. Wow. Yeah. I need to update my references. Yeah, you, told, you know what the funny thing? I got caught. A girl told me that. What's going on, brother? No, a girl Whoa. told me No, wait, 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 wait. Are you playing chances right now, bro? No, nah, I'm not, you know. This, this oh. Michael. Why are you on the pod with no trousers on, standing up in I've front got, of the I've camera, got, bro? I've got, I've got, I've got drawers on. I just have no trousers on. It's, 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 it's nice and hot in here, man. I'm, I'm taking it all in. <sighs> but you, you, you be fully clothed by the desk all the time. I mean, not when I'm on camera. Yeah, I'm on camera though. We're not, uh, we're not filming. We are. That's oh. the point. Yeah, but you can see the top half. Yeah, but you just stood up. That's how I saw. Okay, so what? You're not saying you've never seen, you've never seen big in drawers before. I don't want to see it, is what right. I'm saying. Because you're uncomfortable. Do you find me attractive or something? I don't need to find this. I don't need to see any brother in their boxes. It is what it is, bro. Get over it. You're making it seem as if, oh, relax, man. I just saw you in just. You ain't been around. You ain't been around the man, them. Trust me, I've seen worse. <laughs> What's going on with the man, them? You haven't seen. Yeah, you haven't been on a lad's holiday where your boys just walking with their dicks out. <laughs> One time here, my boy. My whole like, world is about to be rocked right now. <laughs> this is what you men are doing on the lads' holiday, oh, yeah? This is what you used to do with the white boys take it to another level. Black boys, we draw the line in it. But this is what you used to do all the time. You'll come out here, yeah? you'll pull these things out. Tell me, and you turn around, try to spit your dick in, man. <laughs> wow. Because it's better for them, innit? Wow. When they say boys will be boys, it's not a joke. Boys are nasty. Wow. One time, my friend um, took a dump in the toilet in the hotel, right? Yeah. Didn't flush it. I get a phone call at three in the morning. So you know who was calling me, right? <laughs> so I pick up the phone, hello. So he's like, for me, man, I'm trying to sleep, man. You're disturbing everyone. So can't take, can't use it in the bathroom. So I was like, yeah, fair enough, respect, respect, my bad. I go into the toilet. He just starts laughing his ass off. Uh, you never been on the car trip with your boy farts in the in, on the way to the journey and he and he's laughing his ass off or he goes and says oh five man and everybody knows it's him i mean that fighting is one thing but pulling out your whole things in front of the man on the holiday nah I mean, I guess you might be running trains at that so I guess it's no real I don't run trains <laughs> I don't run trains. <laughs> Running trains is, I mean, I mean, that's a hood thing. I mean, not a hood thing, but I, uh, it's not even a hood thing. Even footballers do it. But um, that's not necessarily... Well, I guess there is that team bonding lads behaviour level as well. 
Yeah, that's that's how I imagine it. That's the only way I can make sense. It's mad because you've never experienced one of those moments where your homeboy was proud enough to put his things in front of you. I trust me, I am a okay with that. Never happening in my life. Yeah, you don't know until you've been there. Whoa, what's going on, brother? Are you sure? Do you need Do you need a Me Too moment, bro? One time we went to um, we went to, I said we went to. We jumped the fence. <laughs> And like when I told you, you have to secure a thing so you can sleep. Yeah. We were knocking on doors. My boy was knocking on the door. He was like, can I come in? She's like, why? What are these things? She dragged him in. <laughs> are you... What? It was jokes. She let me in, though. But that's not the point. <laughs> you should have shown that you're, you're set. You're 10 now, I'm, set, I'm not like that, though. I'm not like that. Yeah, I, just, I can't imagine, like... Like to it. pull out your your things like a like it's the like it's the hotel key card like this Tupac used to do that. Tupac used to do that. Yeah. Well, one there's a woman saying how uh, this she was like Tupac was you know they, they were friends and so she, I think she was on one of those you know out of dialogue TVs and she was like her girls were like come and get your boy just show me his dick. <laughs> okay, but she asked for it at that point. No, she didn't. She said come get your boy. He just showed me. Oh, I thought yeah, you said, yeah. come and get your boy to show me. No, you said, come get your boy. Oh, wow. You're like when you're goofing around and it's just, you just, you just doing my I don't thing. notice, bro. I, yo. School, you know? My whole world you like, view has been. Did you like, in public school, what did you lot do? Like, I don't know, put shower cream on your, sour cream on your balls or something like that and shave it off. What was the banter? The the, 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 the private school boys had their banter, but I only ever heard it. I wasn't involved. So what banter did you what banter did you do as a as a young as a young brat? As a young brother. Mm. I mean, we do like maybe a, a a prank call or like run a little have like a recurring joke about somebody. We used to do small things in class like make fun of people's accents and stuff. And okay. We used to do this thing where it's like, you know, when you want to sit down in class uh just before the teacher comes in. Uh, everybody's agreed that they're going to move just before the teacher comes in, so one person ends up sitting by themselves. Just small things like that. Nothing crazy, nothing mad. It was just small, light, light humour. But I heard that the white boys were, like, put resting their, their, their penises on people's faces when they passed out drunk <laughs> and taking pictures. Um, you know, yeah, um, uh, my friend Stag do, yeah. Obviously, we're, gonna, we're trying to do something to just, you know, some kind of boy shit. But we were like, can we, can we just rush them in the square? But because we were all black and we didn't know what kind of... We weren't sure that, you know, if the police came, they won't really see it as it's just banter. Then we were worried that white boys might see it. We tell them it's just a stag dude and they try and join in and then they take it too far. Stagging <laughs> 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 your bedrooms. No, no, no. So we ended up just rushing them in the hotel. But Yeah, see, this is probably why I don't have a group of lads. No, I, I, I don't understand that as banter, bro. Um, I, I don't know. I don't trust people who don't have a group of lads. You don't have a team with you. You don't have a squad, bro. Uh, well, you when might, you become, when you become you... a successful rapper, how are you going to say, and I brought my boys with me? <laughs> this is it, though. This so is what, you, think, you think you can't be a rapper if you're like a loner? <laughs> this is what I'm wondering. Like, There, there must have been at least one loner rapper. I can't really do it like this, man. I ain't really got a crew like that. <laughs> There's got to be one load of rapper. Yeah, I show up in the club by myself. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be one, man. Who but it always looks good when there's a team, innit? No, I'm, I, don't get me wrong. I love a team. 
I, I love the I love the cooperation, the the competitive the camaraderie. Yeah, the taking the L for the take one for the team. Yeah, all of that. I love it. But why the team needs to be centered around seeing man's things and and all this kind of mad banter? Right. So like we had an itinerary. All right, four o'clock. Remember, it's Paul Dick's out time. It wasn't <laughs> like <laughs> niggas was waved getting ready for the thing, and your boy just decides to be an idiot. It doesn't. It didn't. The thing is, the only thing is, it got me. That's what. That's why I hate about it. No, no, no. Let me phrase that. <laughs> I was gonna ask more questions. Yeah. It's getting sucked into like your boy calls whoa, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's getting dragged into like your boy calls you here, and you think it's a genuine call. Yeah. And then you turn around, he's got his dick out, he starts laughing his ass off. You just feel like a dickhead even more. There's one listener, and I'm gonna mention his name just now because he doesn't deserve the attention, but his name is Michael, and he's been, pardon? Nothing going. And he's been Nigerian. Yeah. Okay. And he he's been um. So that like, he'll DM and tell me what he's thought about the pod or whatever. Sending your DMs, nice. And then he'll mention like, "Oh yes, I, I'll be back. I just need to quickly go and do some naked kettlebell swings." And I'm like, "Nick, don't put this damn image in my head. I don't need to hear this nonsense." You have with images, you know. I, I definitely do. I don't need that image in my head. As for now, he just loves to just chuck it into conversation at the most random point. And he'd be like, "Yeah." You know, I've got to go do those kettlebell swings. And because he, he knows it's going to flag up in my mind. I don't if, need that. What if the girl said that to him? I'm going to use naked kettlebell swings. I don't want her telling me that either. Yo, you, that's the last thing I need as a married man. Hope. <laughs> bro, take, give, yeah, me that's that's <laughs> give me fear. Give me fear, bro. No, I tried to write a bit about that. Because I had, I had a female friend that was running a banter on me about me. Like, <laughs> she ran a train on you. Go on. About she kept bantering me about me smashing, and I was like, "When you're you know, married, while I'm married, I don't like that." I know that's what I was saying. Like, I I, I wanted to try and write this I'm joke about how how cruel it is to make married men feel like they could they could be getting extra poops on the side, especially when they're trying to be, you know, upstanding. Like you know, because the thing is that it's not that he's gonna beat, but it's that in his head, the next time his wife is acting up, he's gonna be like, "And I could have been beating Saturday right now." That's the, the 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 thing that's unfair about it. Like, don't do that to Mary. Give my number, please, so I can tell her this is wrong. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. I think, I mean, it's interesting you say that, but I honestly think, you know, like, I don't think if you cheat, you're not necessarily an outstanding person. I think cheating is always looked at from one angle. Yeah, you left. He left his wife. You know, it's always the guy. He left his wife, piece of shit. But he dies yeah. slow, and it just ends there. No one looked at it from the angle of he was willing to risk everything for this new, this, this new, this new love he's found. I don't think it's new love, bro. It's not new love. There's, isn't there yeah. something gallant about that? He gave up everything for you. Isn't that what we want in hero stories? Uh, in some cases, to what be are fair, you willing to sacrifice my family, dog, <laughs> my kids. But you know, most of the time... One thing you cannot say is you don't love me. Oh, I love you. I left my family. <laughs> you know, most of the time, though, mm-hmm. most of the time, mm-hmm. the woman thinks he's going to leave his family and he doesn't because he wants that's to understand. No, 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 no. We don't know if he's most of the time. That's the narrative that's been sold. We have not reviewed every cheating case and seen them 10 years later. Like you see on Blind Date, 
when they go on the holiday and they come back and we get to review what happened. We don't do that with cheating. Well, I, I would infer from some of the statistics that we have, right, that if men, if men's cheating led to them wanting to leave, then they would file for much more of the divorces. Meanwhile, what we have, on, or at least in America, because I only have the American statistics, is that 70 to 80% of divorces are filed by women. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of men who will cheat and happily still try and make their marriage work or whatever it is, because obviously there are financial penalties and all kinds of other reasons. But yeah. most, on, in, on, the, on the whole, a lot of men realise that your side chick is never meant to really be a wife. She's supposed to be a side chick. The moment she becomes your wife, now you need a side chick. The whole <laughs> thing, <laughs> so the, if you go and, if you're a side chick to a married man and you go and marry him, you're, you're volunteering to be the person that you were, you were helping him cheat on before. Because the, the whole point is, there's something the side chick is doing for him that being his wife doesn't provide. I don't even think that's it, you know. I don't even think that's it. I think, think some is? men cannot really commit to one woman. I don't even think your wife is, there's not, there's something your wife isn't doing because there's something your side chick isn't doing. You know what I mean? Because you don't spend every moment with her. You still go back to the wife. It's just I having, know, that's what I'm saying. No. The best, okay, that's what you mean. I, you mean. It's having, but it's, I guess it's having the best of everything. The moment the side chick gives you a headache, you go back to this. Hey, I don't need that shit. I got a wife at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just the option of, you know, the, the being able to move freely. Uh, but you're right. Most men know the side chick is not, you know, she's not meant to be your happily ever after. But at the same time, um, like I said, I don't think, you know, cheating makes you, I think we just run with that strong narrative. We never see it from the side of who was willing to risk it all, which is something noble about that person. I don't think it's noble though. Um, I, I don't think it's noble because uh, I think, you... I think the last, the last moment before, before, when it's still noble is before you say your vows. Once you say the vows, everything you do after that for some idea of love in your head is not noble because you made the vows. No one forced you to make the vows. Of course they forced you to make the vows. She forced you to make the vows. But you're going to put a ring on this. Yeah, if, if you're a man getting forced into marriage by women, you've got more problems. You've got more problems. You there's, in this day and age, we're not, where we're not having shotgun marriages, where men are literally putting shotgun to your back like you slept with my daughter. But we're having instant daughter, marriages, though. People are divorcing every five minutes right now. Bro. I know people that had a divorce this year. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's wild. It's wild. A lot of people are definitely misusing the institution of marriage. But my but what point is, is the of marriage? My, what, what it's become now? No, what, what was it before? What was it? It was a lifetime commitment. Says who? When did divorce start? Bro, divorce has always been there. Right, so then it's never been says, Divorce has been there even from biblical times. Mm -hmm. But the idea was that you were making a, a commitment. Setting, right? No, in the world setting, right. Yeah. But that, in the, the world I, setting, it's not... I don't think there's an institution... I don't think there is an institution of marriage. Not in a world where we watch who wants to fuck a millionaire. <laughs> or Love show. Island. I don't know that show, but that sounds like, that sounds like one of them porn... Um, Porn spoofs of, of the game show. <laughs> All right, can we have an applause? When you're in the middle of the you get to phone a friend. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You should, anyway, but 
Um, I'm just <laughs> curious to understand, you know, what is the institution of marriage, you know? I can understand from a biblical point of view, we all seem it's supposed to be, you know, this like commitment, but I don't know, man. Yeah, and I think in this, um, I mean, there's been many different iterations in different cultures, right? But I think the bare bones of it has always been some kind of commitment to form a family unit, whether it's with one woman or many women. But the idea was that this would be somebody that you're now responsible for, somebody you'd need to take care of, somebody who was uh, usually exclusively your sexual partner and um, would bear your children. Um, <clears throat> that That is like at the root of, I think, pretty much marriage across the world, regardless of cultures or religions or whatever. And it's interesting how, you know, pretty much everywhere around the world, some version of marriage was happening. Somewhere men and women were decided, let's pair up, let's have these kids, I'll look after you, you look after the kids, you nurture, I'll protect, whatever it is. They, they came up with some kind of deal and they used that to propagate families. It's worked for, you know, a couple millennia now. And I don't know about that though. I think that's just what we've seen because I believe in that same period, the bullshit was going on. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, clearly we can see that, by and large, the dominant way of bringing children into this world up until, I think, maybe about 40, 50 years ago was within families. The yeah, idea was children were supposed to be born within families. But you can't confirm that because you never lived in that time. You don't know how many scandalous motherfuckers were breeding up this place. You don't, we just don't know. We can assume that, yeah, everybody had this good family unit and now everything has changed, but we didn't know. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying there was definitely bastard children back then. There yeah. was definitely, um, you know, a lot of skullduggery going on. You can read, even from the Bible, you can see from like, from day one, man, were on just all kinds of crud. But what I am saying is that either way, there was still this agreement. Whether people get to it or not, it was supposed to be this. What it's supposed to be and what it is can be two different things. But what it what it is, is is something that people have used to their benefit, I guess, at when it suits them and change when it doesn't suit them. But what it's supposed to be is at least some kind of commitment and framework to bring children into the world. Everybody's made for marriage. What was that, sorry? Do you believe everyone's made for marriage? Uh, no. Okay. No. That's sad. I, I, think, I think the vast majority of us are. But I, you know, I think the, the, you know, even the Bible makes it clear that some people have a calling that means they won't get married. Um, but that, but I think one of the key points of that is they would know that they don't want to be married because they've been called for something else. So if they, if let's say for example you were a missionary and you were traveling the world, you might not have your family unit. Fine. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it's supposed to be as bad as it is today, where there are so many people who want to marry and connect with somebody but can't find somebody. I think, I think that's just a, a sign of stubbornness and bad faith. Mm, it's quite judgmental. Well, I mean, it's only my assessment from Everyone the outside. But, pardon? Everyone walks in faith, when when I say bad faith, I mean like in in the legal sense. When you come into a negotiation with bad faith. It means you don't come wishing well. It means that essentially you're, you're coming with prejudice. You're coming to try and screw the other person in the deal. And I'm thinking that I, from what I'm observing, people are coming to these institutions or, the, or this institution or to this idea of connecting with somebody with so much bad faith that you can see that everyone's trying to get one over on each other. It, it doesn't set up for a nice um, situation. The examples we follow for marriage are bad. I think that's a problem. 
we base marriages on Jay-Z and Beyonce and Will Smith and Jada, people that you don't even know. Mm. The, the examples of marriages and, and how they, not that their marriages are bad or anything like that, but sometimes I just feel like we base our visions of marriage on people that we don't even know. Um, we don't know what their experiences are. We don't know their day to day. And so I feel like sometimes we live precariously through a fantasy marriage. And that's why a lot of people get stuck. They assume Jay-Z and Beyonce are like this every single day. Just a picture for Chanel. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, bro. Um, there's a, there's, there's no... about marriage, I'd call you. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no real... There's no real guidance right now. Mm. I, think that, I think that's what people... People are really looking for a sense of guidance because I think... You know, to be honest, first of all, let's be real here. How many things have you really done in this life without some form of guidance? You know what I'm saying? Like, you through school, you've had teachers, and through driving, you have a driving instructor. And, and most in, in most cases, you have somebody comedy. instructing you. Pardon? Comedy. Yeah, I think comedy is one of the few ones. But even then, you'd still have people that you look up to and who kind of have either mentored you or inspired you in some way. Who mentored you? John Simmett and okay, Noel okay. Faulkner. Fair mentored me and then in terms of inspired me you know my inspirations so in terms so i think in in most cases we have somebody helping us but when it comes to marriage we either have nobody we're just basically feeling it out just go out into the dating world and just try try not to get screwed over or you have you know parents who have varying experiences and varying ability to be able to help you, guide you through this, or you have just bitter people on online guiding you and giving you more and more toxic advice, trying mm-hmm. to trying to sell you stuff, trying to sell you yep. books, yep. trying to sell you courses and whatnot. So of course people are gonna go wrong most of the time, you know. And I think at at least, and I understand that everybody believes, but for those who do have a faith, if you marry somebody of the same faith. You've at least got a structure. You've got a book you can go back to. You've got a, a, a community you can go to who's going to help you uphold your marriage. Usually you've got like an imam or a pastor or something that you can go to and say, look, we're struggling right now with marriage. And they can work, walk you through it and, and be there with you long term. Some people are doing that with therapy these days. But either way, people need help, man. What do you think of cross, um, cross-faith marriages? Yeah, I'm 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 the product of one. Um, my my mom has always been Christian. My dad has always been Muslim, um, and and I think it caused problems. Um, I think it's a big part of the reason why they didn't work out. Um, but at the same time, I have a guy I know who's Muslim. He's married to a Christian woman. For the main part, it seems that they are. Good. I don't know the inner workings of their marriage, but and I don't want to speak ill on it either. Mm. But I'm just saying that on the whole, general terms, I don't think it's a good idea. Interesting. My friend's married to a Muslim, and she's Christian. she's Christian. Mm. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many Christian women seem to like Muslim men. I think there's. No, uh... I don't think it's like Muslim men. You know, I just think they need to settle down, dog. <laughs> I just think they need to settle down and a man is a man and if he's saying the right things we can figure the rest out. We got some kind of religion, right? <laughs> it's that just, you know, it's it's life is not linear. Life is not linear. I believe if you're if you're a Christian and you're married to a Muslim, man, God has a God has a plan for you. Of this I'm sure. And y'all gonna figure it out. 
I just think life is so complicated. It's, you know, everything you've planned, she never planned to marry a Muslim man. Never. She never thought that would be her future. Yeah, I know. And, and to be honest, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying she did, but I'm just saying that somehow, somehow. You, you know what it is, Ola? I'm, I'm seeing it a lot where there's a Muslim guy and a Christian woman. But think about it. Your mum and dad was definitely Muslim and definitely Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They were night and day with those religions. Yeah. Whereas in 2021, you know how it is. I'm a Christian, but I still freestyle on the black A90. I mean, that's true. That's true. You know? There's a couple of Nigerian, and especially with Nigerians as well. Mm. Nigerians are very lax with this. I know I've got plenty of of my mom's uh, Muslim friends or Muslim family friends or whatever it is who will happily come to church with us. Then you might see them sipping a little heady at one point. Yeah, I see. you're Muslim. You know the maddest thing? Um... I don't know. I don't care what you say. When Eid Mubarak was popping, because my grandma was a Muslim. Yeah. Eid Mubarak, bro, I was a Muslim too. You see the food they used to bring out? Bro, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So it's like, it, it, I think at least at least in like Lagos, at least in the, the southern part of the country, Christians and Muslims are like, we're brother and sister here. Like both of us are going to share this Lagos together. As you're heading to the mosque, I'm going to be going to my church. I went to... I went to school in Joss. Yeah, that's wild, bro. Which is a North part, but we were a Christian school. Come on. So we used to have Christian assemblies and everything, but every now and then we had to, I think when it, some Sundays we'd have to have the Muslim person will come and pray. You see? That's, I, I, don't, I don't know what the Nigerian mentality or thinking about it is, but it's definitely not as combative as it has been seen when, um, you know, there's all of these attacks or, you know, like her, full any herdsmen are burning down a church, those kind of headlines. Um, I think on the whole, what I've experienced is, you know, I, I, I was living with Nabil for a long time and I was very Christian. He was very Muslim. Um, I attended his marriage ceremony. I, you know, I took part in the parts that I wanted to take part in and didn't take parts in the other. Um, You'll be taking these religions to the level, boy. Yeah, but he came with me to a church gig once. So, well, the only thing I wouldn't do is anything. I don't do anything um, spiritual. So if it's like the spiritual mother's gonna pray for you, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's where I opt out. Like even, even, even when we're in South Africa, they said we're gonna do a spiritual tree planting ceremony. I said, nah, I'm on that. I'm, we, I really on it, my dear. My friend went to Nigeria. She said, "Mummy of the mountain, pray for." I said, "Yeah, I'm on that." Mummy of the only the person that to pray for me is my mum. Mummy of the mountain. She, she climbed one mountain. The mummy, Yoruba, one Yoruba mom said she prayed into her life. I was like, yeah, I don't do those things. Yeah, I mean... Bro, the only person that had to lay hands on my head, my mum and dad. Simple. Because I know they care. Anybody else? I don't trust you like that. I feel you, man. I feel you. It makes sense. It makes sense, man. You just have to... Spirituality is real. It's very, very real. You can get... My friend said she was dating a guy... And she was practicing. He was he was a Buddhist, and she got he got her into Buddhism, and you know just chanting. She yeah. started to have she started to have really dark dreams. Wow! So I was like, listen, I'm gonna go toilet, and then I didn't come back for the date because I didn't want that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but that's a spiritually social distance. Bro, that's a spiritually social distance because those things creep me out because I believe in spirituality, in terms of dipping into where you're not supposed to dip into. Have you have you, have you seen that kind of? Have you seen Juju at work? 
Have I seen Juju at work? Yeah. I've seen what they've claimed to be Juju at work. Okay. Have you seen anything where Juju. you believed it was? Where you? I, I don't up? believe in Juju, no. It's just hype. So you don't believe that that's part of the spirituality that you're talking about? No, I don't believe that. It's all hype. It's all over-exaggerated stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, you know, that girl said she gave me bumps. That she's a witch. Right? But... Which girl says she's a witch? When I was in church as a kid, like in this country. Yeah. They brought a Nigerian girl over. They brought a Nigerian girl over, sorry. And she was my prayer partner for that week. And in that week, I got bumps. So, I, I got like Bro. no spots on my hand. Yeah, yeah, you want to go gum clinic or something? Uh, you want to well, get the... the story already, innit? I don't... So I thought, you know, I just thought, ah, you know, maybe I've, I've got an allergic reaction to something or whatever. I just treated it. So about two weeks afterwards, the, the, the people that brought her over said that she came to them and confessed that she's a witch and that she's been giving their children illnesses. But she had to stop because everybody was so kind to her and they took her to church. And so when they said that, she said she also gave other people in the church who she interacted with, whatever, listen to me, this bitch was my prayer partner. <laughs> so that freaked me out. Whoa. But again, at the same time, I don't believe in, I'm going to go on my do do for you. I don't believe that. I honestly yeah. believe you can really counter that with a nice, I am called by the blood of Jesus. Oh, nobody can. <laughs> Come on, body, blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm an overcomer. I will sing. That's how you line up the next verse, innit? You always got to line up the next verse. I will sing. <laughs> <laughs> you got to line it up, innit? That was too accurate, bro. Even the dancing you were doing, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I always believe that. Because trust me, there's people that are evil in, in Nigeria. And there's people that definitely go to Habalists and Babalawas and try and do things and try and get this. I guess black magic is real to an extent, you know, that, that, you know, but I also believe it's like a placebo effect. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, believe in it, you're going to get it like that. Yeah. I, I always ask, you know, like if, if they had that much power, why haven't we won the world cup or why isn't the economy strong or whatever it is. Interesting. Why does it only ever work on like, on like know, evil, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Because, because there was, there was one, I think it was the last world cup where they zoomed into the audience and there was one Babalawa guy that was, well, he was clearly dressed up, so he's clearly acting like he's doing way more than he's doing. But like, it's like, yeah. So why, why you ain't win? Like, what, what's going on? But I think I've I've had a couple of experiences that were kind of supernatural to me, and where I kind of when I remember them, I kind of go, all right, yeah, yeah. Remember, you need to pray. Like, things are this things are happening out here. Like, it's not a joke. I don't know if I have I ever told you about the situation with my sister. No, you just told me when your when the, your mom sent you a picture of the angel saving a car. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, this one was a situation where my mom, my mom calls me. My sister's name is Abby. She goes, "What's wrong with Abby? Tell me. Be honest with me." And now, his the background to that is that my sister Abby has sickle cell, so there'll be times where she goes to hospital. And because she's having a crisis and I don't want to tell my mom because mom's just going to be threatened in Nigeria. She can't do anything. She'll be like, oh, should I jump onto a plane and come, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, relax. She's okay. 
she'll be out in a couple of days and whatever it is and i'll go look after her guy visit her she has friends who go to come and see her it's fine so she calls me and usually like i would know she's gone to hospital because either abby will call me or one of her friends will call me that like oh abby's gone to the hospital this is where she is so my mom calls me because tell me what's honestly just be honest with me because i know you don't like to tell me these things you don't want me to fret. just be honest with me what's happened to abby and i was like i don't know like what's going on i haven't heard anything cool so i now say all right cool let me try and find out she's like yeah i've been calling abby's phone she's not picking up i said don't worry don't worry maybe it's the international line or whatever it is i'll call her i'll check on it we'll speak soon so i um i now call call, call my sister she's not picking up her phone um i don't know what to do um i i speak and my mom calls again I'm like, look, I've tried calling her. I haven't heard anything from her. I'm like, what's got all of this in your head? She said that she got a call from somebody. And they were like, eh, oh, my show. The way that they had to take Abby to hospital, you know, take heart, you know, it's going to be okay. But the, the but the weird thing was the person was speaking Yoruba to her. So she was like, wait, who would call me to be like, oh, it's a shame that they had to take your daughter to hospital. And... And you don't even know. Who is this woman? And the line cut. So she didn't even know. So I come off the phone with my mum. My sister finally calls me and goes, oh, and what's going on? I've seen so many missed calls from you and mum. Like, what's happening? Now? What's the big deal? I've, I've been rushed off my feet. And I've been like, yeah. Mum, see heard something happen to you. Are you okay? Are you in the hospital? She's like, nah, actually, I was at work. The reason why I haven't been able to pick up my phone is because we've been dealing with a situation at work. One of my employees right next to me just collapsed out of nowhere for no reason. So we've had to rush him to hospital. I'm like, what happened to him? Like, we don't even know. Just the guy, stand, he was just standing next to me. He, she was working like a tuition center. So there's loads of kids around. They were just doing some exercise with the kids and he just collapsed right next to her. And that's why she was going to the hospital. I said, wow. So they, whatever it is that whoever d has decided to send something for you it hasn't reached you, it's reached the person next to you, but they were already calling my mum to be like, almost as if it was like a, like the, like a victory lap, like the, the plan worked or whatever. I don't know what their thinking is, but it was just mad. Like I was like, how do you explain that? Because this is between three different people. The person that sent something for you. Yeah. I don't know. Who, I don't know why. Why somebody would miss your sister, but got the nigga next to him. Yeah, <laughs> that that dude caught a stray that day, man. That's don't know what was going on, bro. To be fair, but the thing is this: Nigerians love to put it into that that context. Everybody's sending for you. But okay, but how do you explain a situation like that? Where if one person in Nigeria gets a call that their daughter's been rushed to hospital. Meanwhile, at the very same time, their daughter is going to hospital because the person next to them collapsed. Who called your mum, though? We still don't know. Yeah, y'all missing them. Y'all learning a lot of um, L's, a, a lot of information at that story. Y'all, <coughs> you don't have Star 69 in Nigeria? I don't think so, bro. <laughs> Those of you that listen, Star 69 is 1471 over here. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, do we even have Star 69? Yeah. Is this a 1471? <laughs> I ain't done that no. in a minute. If I, you, I, if you do I've it, never tried to do that. Back, like, bro. We've all got call ID now, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, first of all, don't you have to have a landline to be doing all of that? You know what? It's interesting when you when we talk about stuff like this because 
I don't know, my friend, my cousin, my cousin, you know, play cousin. Yeah. And um, he's, um, he's one of his closest friends died. Okay. Just, I wonder if I'm correct. I want to say nobody knew or nobody saw it coming. And it hit him hard. He goes to the, let's say she dies on Saturday. He goes to the family home to pay his respects and whatnot. Goes into her room and collapses on her bed and dies. Wow. We were just like, huh? And of course, Nigerians, immediately, something is wrong. <laughs> so to this wrong. You have to be spiritually out But that did freak me out. Bro, I mean, I, there's going to be some things that we, to be honest, you know, everything in your intellect is going to say that it's a coincidence, like what's the big deal and so on. Mm. And, and to be honest, that makes sense. But at the same time, the, it also makes sense that we will never fully understand a lot of the things that happen on this earth and why they happen the way they happen and why people have these accounts and why people have these stories. Both, if we're being intellectually honest, we have to both say it doesn't make sense and it does make sense. That's the only intellectually honest answer to all of this. I mean, your sister's one is wild. It is wild. But I wouldn't yeah. share that story that, oh, thank God my coworker got hit. But my yeah, I know. <laughs> but bro, this is what I'm saying. I don't even say it like, thank God he got hit. I just say it as like a remind, like I said, a reminder that yo, there's stuff happening that you can't see and you need to stay prayed up. You need to stay, like, cognizant that not everything's going to be done based on how strong you are, how rich you are, how well-connected you think you are. Some of these things are going to be how spiritually grounded are you? You know, how how connected are you to the Lord? How spiritually grounded are you? You know what? You're right in the sense where I agree in the sense. My, my parents pray, man, 24-7 for their children. They pray. That's what they do. That's all they believe in. I pray mm. for you. We always pray for you. Not to Calabar, because I pray for you. I don't take that for granted. Mm. I don't. I don't just walk around this motherfucker thinking, the reason why I'm alive today is because I'm such a good person. I believe there's someone interceding. Hey! Ah! <laughs> someone is interceding on my behalf. Yeah. And so those are the things I take into, like, um, what I do for my nieces and nephews, what I'll do for my kids is I pray for them. That's mm. the best thing you can do as a parent for your children is constantly pray for them. Because kids are idiots. They think they know it all and they live their life like that. Yeah. They need that. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I've done so many things in this world where I've flown on a plane, traveled from one place to another, did their madness, got drunk and still made it back to my hotel room okay. I don't believe that's just because I got lucky or I know the way back home. I honestly believe, God has a plan for me. <laughs> So, you know, when people say, God got me, and, then, and I don't even take that for granted in itself because I don't just walk around here living like, you know, some wildcat because I believe God got me. But mm. I take a lot of solace in the fact that prayer works. Um, I don't believe prayer works in the sense where, Father, Bentley, Bentley, Bentley. I don't believe in that. Yeah. I believe prayer is honest, where prayer is real. God yeah. will answer, God delivers. Yeah. I don't believe God, when you pray to God for a bright future, He just gives you a bright future. He lays the tools down. You know, I've been thinking mm. a lot about representation and stuff like that. And today I had a meeting with an agent. Oh, wow. Right. So nice. God creates the atmosphere. You still have to make your decision. 
Because remember, yeah. you want the element of free choice. So he doesn't give you what you he doesn't give you anything. You mm. decide. How was the meeting? It was good. It was weird. I've not been I've not been in that position for a while. He just thought I, he thought I just left my agent. Okay. <laughs> you fresh out. I was like, no, I've been, I've been, I've been hoeing these streets for a while now. <laughs> but it was nice to be in a position to talk to an agent and not have my, you know, not have my skirt all the way up, you know, my, my thighs ready to get fingered because mm. I've seen white people on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was more like, bro, what have you done for me lately? Why am I not singing with today? But it was more like I told him the truth. I told him how I've been with big agents, so the fact that you have. No one on your wall is not interesting to is does not bother me. It's like what can you honestly do? Because Bruh, Kanye said every agent no every agent I know know I hate agents. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's sometimes you need to let them know that low key I don't I don't I don't yeah. mess with you, you know. I like that line. But you know what it was, Allah? You know, when I first signed with my first agent, my second one. The second one not so much, but the first one was literally genius. Yeah, you know, and so this time it was just more like, this is what I want. What can you do? Yeah, and um, it was nice to take because he wants to sign me, and it was nice to be wanted. But mm. uh, you know, I said I have a think, and just see how I feel. And but I was just happy to um, to be able to be honest with him. I told him I'm cynical. I'm probably not gonna like half the things you send me, but we can work. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I think to be honest, if I was. If I was going back to managing an act, that's exactly what I need. I need to know the deal up front. Yeah. So I, so I, at least then, eventually, you can streamline how you work with each other. Because yeah. look, if you think about it, yeah, if Top Dog was, um, if, um, what's his name? For, yeah. Dude over at uh, TDE, uh, the one that signed uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Imagine you sign Kendrick Lamar and you start trying to get him to do the standard rap way up. Maybe you try and put him on love and hip hop or something. <laughs> you're wasting your time. If he's, if he's, if, what's that? You know what you're saying? If you watch, remember the Wu-Tang documentary I told you to watch? Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Remember they tried to market RZA as a ladies man? Yeah. And he was yeah. like, I'm not a ladies man. Yeah. So I saw the ladies man video and I was like, RZA, what the hell are you doing? Bruh. Even I don't find you attractive. <sighs> Maybe he should have taken his dick out for you. No, <laughs> that's a friendship circle, not a random person. Uh, just a small callback right there. Uh, but yeah, my that was my, a way off. That was a pause. Like. <laughs> um, we don't do it with random rappers, okay? <laughs> but yeah, this um, the, the the approach is is very important because you, as a manager yourself, you don't want to. You don't waste your time running down opportunities for somebody that, that it doesn't even suit them, doesn't even suit what they want to do. And I think the real, like, I, I, I feel like we don't have enough celebrated managers. We have a lot of celebrated artists, and that's great. But I think the, the work of a manager is definitely something worth um, hailing up and not only hailing up, but also learning how to do well. I don't know if you've seen it recently, but... Um, do you know? Do you know who Little Man is? He does social media videos. Anyway, he's a short guy. No, I don't know who he is. All right, cool. So it's a short guy, and basically he he was on the roads. He'd been to jail a few times. Um, even as short as he is, he was still on badness. Now there's another guy called Bouncer who's a rapper, but now just kind of does social media stuff. 
He's from Play Dirty Camp. That's Crepes and Conan's camp. Now, yeah. Bouncer basically started managing Little Man and was basically getting a social media game up, right? They were doing little sketches. Um, you know, it's a short guy. He's very, very small. So it's very easy to come up with scenarios for him. Um, started getting him all these different opportunities, trying to market him as a personality. And so the recently, now that's become a discussion about <clears throat> Bounce was putting up his own money for um, to try and build this guy up, and so they were splitting things fifty fifty. And so Little Man, I guess, re- recounts this as like some kind of bad deal, some kind of raw deal where he was getting screwed over because Bouncer also tried to trademark his name. And Bouncer's like, we were business partners. Like I put money up. I was giving this guy a place to stay when he came out of jail. Like I was making sure he didn't go back into jail. This is more than just a small little manager relationship. And so I think one of the, the key takeaways I took from that is we for a long time, we haven't had any real managers who are really ready to like work with a raw artist and develop them. Most of them are waiting for you to pop uh, and they try and ride the train on the way up. Pause. Uh, pause. <laughs> pause. But I'm saying that like we need to go back to those guys who had vision those guys who could take somebody, see something in them, know how to dress them, know how to market them, know how to pick the songs, know how to whatever it is, and and take them from where they are to where they want to go. I think that's such an underrated skill, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a musician. But even though, even though as a musician, I'm seeing even for you as a comedian, how many, you, ta- how many times do we have a, a positive conversation about a good manager or agent? I don't, I've never had... My, my agents were good. Mine's were great. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying we don't re- we rarely have a conversation about that like, this person is a good manager. This person knew how. I don't to... know any comedy managers though. Do you? I've never had a comedy I mean... manager. I don't know any of any managers. Yeah, and I you, mean, you know, it depends on who you talk to. Because I hired my wife briefly, but I had to fire her. Well, typically, I mean, I, I don't think that's any. I don't think that's because she, I just don't think she can manage your career anyway. But. Um, if you're a superstar established comedian, yeah, you don't know what on the come up. I, I thought, I, to be honest, I honestly thought it might be a good shot. To be honest, she got me one great opportunity and it did set off a bunch of other good opportunities. She basically just told me to enter this competition. I didn't want to do it. She pushed for it and entered the competition. I ended up performing at Montreux in Switzerland and then got the contacts for doing That's South good. Africa and so on. So, like, that was a fantastic move by her. But other than that, she weren't really about this work. She was, sleep- she was sleeping on tour. She was sunbathing and that. I'm like, we trying to sell tickets, baby. We're in America trying to sell these tickets. I wouldn't do... I wouldn't let anybody who... Because my my friend wanted to manage me. But I just said to her, I can't tell you to go fuck yourself. And because yeah. I do that, you can't manage me. But what about all these people that let their parents manage them? They can't, tell their, they can't tell their parents to go. F now. I'm talking about like Usher. Have you seen uh, Usher's mum now? Usher's what? Usher fired his mum. Yeah, but they all use their parents on the come up, though. No, on the come up. His mum wasn't manager on the come up. His mum was manager around the second album. Um, and what about uh, Beyonce's dad? Is he managing her now? I, I'm saying I'm not. I'm not doubting that they eventually <laughs> fired their parents. They were children though, and their dad put them in. But yeah. it, never, it never ends well. It either, it either ends really bad or you just put yourself to the side. So and you also, mean... Destiny's Chaffin wasn't healthy. 
because it was Beyonce. <laughs> Y'all doing this for B. <laughs> You know, Destiny's Child was Beyonce. The rest of them was Destiny's friends. Destiny's yeah, Child's friends. They were the children. Beyonce was the Destiny. <laughs> that's, that's it. We got there. We got to the punchline. Beyonce was the Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> she was always. <laughs> and the, the fact that they could switch it, switch them out like like they didn't even really matter. I didn't even blink. That's what you know. Yeah, we know who about the vehicle is. But yeah. yeah. McCauley Culkin, so many people. Jay Z fired his dad. Do you think? Do you think you could have? Um... Hell no. What? My dad managed me. No, I was even gonna ask that. I was gonna ask, like, let's say you could rap or you could sing or whatever. Do you? Do you think you could have a career where you know ninety percent of the reason you're there is to as a to be part of the vehicle to build someone else's career? Could you yeah. do that? Could you be Kelly Rowland or Michelle? Yeah, because you wouldn't know at the time. But you find out, man. At some point, you find it's out. It's too late, though. You have to leverage your celebrity. By that time, it's too late. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that clearly some of them left. Some of them yeah. said, we're not doing this. Yeah. Some of them stuck at... Well, yeah. I... What was the name of the album they released? Carry on, carry on, carry on. I mean, Latoya Luckett went into acting. Like I said, what was the album they released? Exactly. What's Latoya Luckett's latest film? Huh? I don't know. Huh? She, was, she was in right. uh, Greenleaf. Roland, Michelle, they're going to be all right. They're going to be all right. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm asking you is, could you could you do that knowing you're gonna be alright, but you'll never be the star? What I know, yeah, because music is not about being a star. Star is not music. <laughs> that's not yeah. an organic thing. That's 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 created. That's not why you're in the game. Because I've learned, because only because I know now. Yeah. At the time, maybe not, but I know now. There was a woman who was a backing vocalist yeah. for this uh, other woman. And she, you know, it's one of them ones where you're on, you know, when it's a live show, they let the backing vocals sing their little part. Mm-hmm. And then the audience get gassed, like, she can sing better than Whitney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so you start to get those things in your head, but you quickly learn. Singing is not about singing, it's about selling records. You know what she quickly learned? She can't sell records. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. So guess what she went back to doing? Back up. It happened again. It was like, you should sell records. Bro, yeah, don't take advice from people that don't know. Oh, this, so what I'm saying is, if you get the next, the fourth guy in next, baby, when we're crying. <laughs> bro, ride that road to the cow comes, to the wheel. Because mm. it's scary. It can, it can get really worse for you when you try mm. and front the vehicle. But you, you, you don't ever look at Splish Star and be like, bro, you could have been... Nope, Splish cannot rap. I, I mean, he could have rapped, but I'm saying like... <laughs> I, to be honest, and and to be honest, I'm saying this to play devil's advocate because you know I I fundamentally believe that like the the quote that I always share with you about there's no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Absolutely. So I I, I genuinely believe that, but I also know that in, especially in uh in hip hop culture where you're constantly bragging about how you're the best or how you're the top dog, to be in D12 knowing full well that like. Your Eminem's boys, like nobody's really going they all to. Had careers though, they all had proof. Mm-hmm. It's a legend in Detroit. So is um Thingy Bizarre. So they all had careers off of it. Um um Connor Connor to still opens for Eminem. They knew, yeah. they knew themselves. We're not gonna get past this. You what? You think they were great MCs? And just the thing that I I wonder if it ever gets into to your head in those kind of environments where you kind of go, Am I really gonna follow this dude around for the rest of my life? Hell yeah. 
you, you're not going to follow him for the rest of your life because Eminem's not going to put music out for the rest of his life. You don't. But see you know what I mean, though. Like, no. I'm, no one's ever going to really gonna go and buy. Well, do you think the outlaws are running with Tupac, thinking one day we're going to overtake this nigga? They were in the wrong group for that, then. <laughs> but we, we know the outlaws could have rapped. Though. We know we know no, outlaws could have. could rap. Hussein Fatal could rap. They were very good rappers. They were right, man. No, 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 no. They were very good rappers. Hussein Fatal was a very skilled lyricist. Okay, maybe I haven't heard. Hey, by the way, rapping on Tupac's track, who's gonna stand out? Obviously, Puck. Exactly. But if you took away Puck, because I've you know I listened extensively to his music, yeah. you take away Puck, thingy Hussein could rap his ass off. So could Gaddafi. But they were sixteen, remember? Well, Hussein was twenty-three. Okay. He was sixteen years old, so he was gonna or nineteen. He was gonna project to a better rapper. But what I'm essentially what I'm saying is, here's the thing: corrupt. You know, is I always think about Big Psych, and I'm always like. Big Sec was uh was there as like a, a novelty. We said he was a great, great rapper. It was more like a Bay Area, and he can flow on the track. I liked his his flow on um, "Picture Me Rolling." You know, I liked that flow on um, "Fingy." Some sometimes he was getting better as well around Park. He was understand before it was just a bit. Although you know, am I going to hell or are we heaven? That that verse was fire. Fire? Yes. Ah, fire is the strong <laughs> term. What what do you define as a fire verse? Bro, I mean, everybody has it's subjective, so hundred percent. But like, am I going to hell or is it I reach heaven? After all the shit I did with my Mac Eleven, to save my soul. That's the way the daddy raised me. I got a hundred round clip to my eight. Just two different thoughts. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. We're talking about I'm losing it, right? Yeah. So I get it. Everybody's verse was about how like they're losing. No, their no, mind. that's I'm going crazy. Niggas can't fade me. The one that you're talking, the one that we're talking about is um, "Ready for Whatever." Okay, ready. For, okay, yeah, yeah. Either way, I get the vibe, and it's not. I love. Trust me, I I rap along to Big Psych verses. I I rap along uh, on um on or, or Nas or a Biggie. That's what. That's why you're making. That's why he seems quite sure. He's not that level of rapper. He's not supposed to be. Yeah. But but what I, I was gonna say to you was corrupt. Is okay, but here, here what I'm trying to say. Here what I'm trying to show you. Right? What I'm trying to show is like. Okay, when when Freeway was right signed to Rockefeller, mm. on um, what we do, mm-hmm. I love Jay Z's verse mm-hmm. and I love Freeway's verse. Freeway's right? verse, Freeway's verse was was sick. Yeah, because it's his song. <laughs> you know, but you'd be surprised though. Mev Bleak was still was still okay. Mev Bleak was nice. He wasn't my he was my what least favorite. Beanie yeah, sorry, Beanie Siegel. Beanie Siegel was yeah, the last person on the track. BC in the third name. Well, I'm talking about my birthday. That's what you gotta get yourself so clean. But I. But okay, let's be honest though. Let's be honest though. Like Jay Z and Freeways verse were like perfectly. Like they both matched to be on the song. Even Beanie Siegel's verse. Everyone earned their place on that song. But on a Tupac song, it definitely felt like. Hey, take your little brothers along with you. If you're gonna go out to the studio, take your little brothers with you. Let them go on the track as well. Song. Pardon? Which song? On most songs, where, where is Tupac oh, and Outlaws? You can't say most songs, because I disagree on every song you're talking about. Which song? Because you can't tell me they were, it was taking little brothers to studio on the made niggas. You can't tell me it was that one. Hit them up. What? Get out the way. Biggie Smalls just got dropped. Little move past the Okay, here about, here about what I was even thinking about. Here about... To get spank right. Are you mad? No, nah, okay, I'm talking about, like, the ones we've mentioned so far, like, um, on the Are You Still Down album. Those those ones you've mentioned, like uh, "Ready for Whatever" and uh, "I'm Losing It," mm. on those ones, like t- even even on "All Eyes on Me," 
All Eyes on Me has Big Psych on it, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm not even trying to really hear Big Psych's verse like that. Like, Tupac's verse... I got keys coming over the seas. Got us nigga too. I'm a street comeback, but we want to start bam banging. So I'm running with this thing. West Coast change. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I can I can vibe with it. I can enjoy it, but like I said, it's, it's it, it always feels like there's a, there's a syllable off. Or you only picked one freeway song, which was a hot a hot song. I just use that as an example. Okay, okay. What about use... check out time? You tell me, Big Sack doesn't Big Sack didn't respond that verse. Checkout time. What? When he said, "What's it called?" Um, if what's could talk, they say you try to fade us. Putting the word for it because you see the bed and hear what I said. Patches got to do. So I'm really, I'm blacking out. You're letting that big sight, daddy. We did it in the caddy on the highway. My way, he's lost in the dream when he sings to me tonight. Five dollars a crystal and I'm still tight. I don't sight for parking corrupt. What? It's a hideous sticky situation. Listen, you get a baby. You get a vacation. It's checkout time. No, to be honest, I, I love checkout time. And to be honest, I love everybody on checkout time. Only three but, people. But I'm saying that, like, it's. I just feel like when you, when, when there's obviously always a star, right? And then they have their boys, they have their crew, whoever it is, right? And the, the gap between the star and the crew is wider in the outlaws than it is in but some other crews. One outlaw verse. Because you don't listen to them. I don't think you listen to the Outlaws. I think you just assume... I don't, I don't listen to Outlaws as in, like... I don't know if... Did they ever put out projects? Yeah. As the Outlaws? Yeah. Okay, I've never listened to an Outlaws project. That's all trash. But what I'm saying is when they're around pack. <laughs> what I'm saying is when they're around... Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Outlaws were great rappers. Okay? But you're comparing them with rappers as opposed to crew members. Okay, okay, but here's my point. Here's my point. I I agree with you, right? In I'm most like, bring, cases, bring, Mace, bring Macy's Harlem World to the table. Let's see how good they feel. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> who, was, who was in Harlem World? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Even even little even even Biggie's crew, Junior Mafia. Bring them to the table. Okay, but with Junior Mafia, at least he had Lil Kim in there. And you know, saying that... lyrics. He did. Exactly. That's why she what? sounded good. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like. Those lyrics. Why do you think you didn't put an album when Biggie died? Well, that's my ghost writer call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody. You're, all I'm saying is, if you compare the outlaws with crew members, you realize they're not that bad. But you're comparing them with MCs. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm doing is you're you're comparing crew members across the board. Yeah. I'm comparing what's the gap between your the star in your crew. And right. the rest of the crew. Well, it depends on the crew because I think Corrupt is a better rapper than Snoop. Okay. But Snoop okay. is So he can't touch it. But I think Corrupt's a better rapper. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair example yeah. of where... But then you also have dads in that group. Yeah. No, no, and then he, both of them. <laughs> but he's a West Coast legend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is it depends on the crew. Hear what I'm saying clearly. I yeah. don't think the outlaws are banana splitting, okay? Or, yeah. or no, let me rephrase that. When you put the, when you look at the crews, right? Yeah. Even Mob Deep is rude to say they're a crew because the two of them actually rapped well. They were rappers. Yeah. That's the, it's the tenth nigga in Mob Deep. You'd be like this, these niggas. Okay, I'll tell you another crew. Queensbridge Finest. Now that was some ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know you mean disrespectful now, man. Even Jay Z, Memphis Bleak. Memphis. You want to hit away his whole career, nigga, please. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's okay. hard to form a crew. It's hard. It is hard to form a crew. To be fair, like, I'm trying to think of a of a person that had, like, a strong star rapper and a strong crew. I don't I'm, know like, if you can find it, you know. That I'd want to buy. I mean... Like, did you buy Proof's album? No. I tried to listen to Proof's album. I was like, okay, it's not my stuff. It's not my stuff. Not my stuff. But that could be down to production and, you know, the money he had to invest in it, you know? i tell you who probably is the closest for me. And he's still got one that's clearly, like, is an L. That's 50 Cent. Because I liked Lloyd Banks. I actually wanted to listen to Lloyd Banks' album. And I did listen to Game's album as well, the documentary. Game? So, we can't put Game in there, though. But I'm talking about like when Game was G Unit. It wasn't never really G Unit though. It was just like just to put him with the. It, as far as for a for a period anyway, for a period he had him, and then obviously kind of went his own way. Yeah. But I mean, I'd I'd never really messed with Tony Ayo or Young nope. Buck like that. Nope. By but, the way, all of them Tony Ayo gets a lot of respect in the streets, so I'm not gonna say nothing because I've never heard his. I can't say I've listened to his catalog. Yeah. But Young Buck and um. What's the other name? Tony Ayo that was in prison the whole the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Came everyone was gassing him. I bought I listened to his album. Bullshit. The best song I heard is the one with Fifty Cent. That's it. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about Obi Trice? Obi Trice came out a bit. Obi Trice. Obi Trice is, was uh, a dis, was <laughs> sad for me because Eminem was talking like I, I, he's going to do ten million units, yeah. blah blah blah, and it just. It you just know, never Obi triced all the way through. It's too gimmicky. Yes, yeah. yeah. Exhibit, who he, Eminem, they lot, them lot talked him up as well. He, the album just didn't hit. <sighs> Man. Yeah. I mean, it, we, how, did start, how did we even get to this crew abuse? I don't know, we're just talking about the Outlaws, man. No, we're talking about Tupac, weren't we? Yeah, Tupac and the Outlaws. I've got a Tupac quote, though. This yeah. one's going to blow your mind. Oh, go on, man, go on. My brother came to my room last night. He goes, Fumbi, Bob Dole is dead. I said, Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole? He said, yeah. He said, 96. I said, oh, shit. He was too old to stand there with the game goes. So those of you that don't know, on how do you want it, Tupac said, Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole, you're too old to understand the way the game goes. You're lame, so I got to hit you with the hot facts. Yo, so Bob Dole died recently, you're saying? Yesterday, bro. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even know, but I didn't know the news part. Really? I, I, I know who Bob Dole is. You know Bob, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only know him from the Tupac song. That's a shame. And really? is he the one with a funny arm? I don't know if he had a funny arm. I know he's a VP candidate. He was vice Who's president. Who's the one that, what's his name? Jamie Foxx said that, that arm, he hit me, you know. <laughs> Jamie Foxx, rude. Jamie no, Foxx. No, anybody did it. Even Cedric said, I think they said Bob Dole fell over, but they tried to grab him by that little arm. <laughs> no. And that arm no. All the time. No, that's not fair, man. That's. So how are you going to put that quote, though? Yeah, to, no, to be fair, he is, he is, uh, yeah, it, it was him. It you was think I'm him. making it up? No, no, much? I was just confirming it for you because you, you asked. But yeah, it was, it was I him. I tell you which one of the outlaws wasn't great. Okay, let me, let me I'm, I'm just going to put for the title, I'm just going to put you too old to understand the way the games go. Oh. <laughs> like that. Um, like, I have my favorite outlaws, obviously. Hussein and Kate, Fate, um, Fatal. Yeah. So, Fatal and Gaddafi were the two strongest. Okay. Then it was Ed because he's been around Pac for so long. Yeah. Then it was Castro, who was Tupac's cousin. Okay. 
he was decent. Napoleon was the kind of like just a homie. <laughs> he was still figuring out his bars. Uh, I, I love the you, I love the fact that you know them. I'm sure you know them by name, by voice recognition. Well, I don't know them like by per, I don't know them by governments. Okay, okay. Names. Okay, fair enough. But you have to understand, Tupac and Gaddafi, obviously, as you know, had a very unique relationship. What was their relationship? Well, Tupac's Gaddafi's um, dad is Seiko Dinga, who okay. is one of the he was one of the people that. You know, was down for the cause, and they sent them to jail for robbing the armor truck with Matilda Shakur in him. Okay. So he went to prison. So that's how they're all Panther people. Okay. So obviously, Asata, um, Asata, sorry, what's her name? Afeni and Gaddafi's yeah. mom were very close. So yeah. it's like a family bonding. So Tupac always used to say, "That's my little brother." Yeah. In fact, if you look at the video where Tupac is spitting outside the court, Gaddafi's sister's right behind him. Okay. Yeah. So it's a very unique family. Edie, mm. funnily enough, has two kids with Tupac's sister. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when Tupac says, looking at my nieces and nephews, those are Edie's kids. Wow. Sister had the baby as an adolescence where it was God. Castro, obviously, is his cousin. And then Hussein Fatal, he was introduced through Gaddafi. And Napoleon, who was the youngest, I think he was 16 at the time, he was also introduced through Gaddafi. His parents were killed in front of him. And Tupac really connected with that story, so... Do you think do you think all their names came naturally or they were like, look, I've got this theme, it's this outlaw's theme. Let's all pick like yeah. dictators and that's exactly how it happened. It was actually Gaddafi's mum who picked out the names. Because Tupac was like, I want us to be represent I want us to be named after people that everyone America remember Tupac, remember when everyone talks about, you know, everyone disguises themselves in gangster disguises, Don Colly Wani, it's fine. Because that's what inspired them. Remember, like I said, he was he was raised by revolutionaries. They weren't about to call themselves, you know what I mean, the untouchables. They were they were gonna go after political figures. That's why he's Machiavelli, Napoleon, Idi Amin, Gaddafi, uh, Castro, and um, even Mussolini was big psych. Yeah, yeah. So they, they that's how the names came about. Exactly how you said it. They they picked those names. Mm. They, they gave um, Napoleon Napoleon because he was sure. Okay, well, yeah, he, had a, he had a short man complex. Okay, and then you know, obviously, Gaddafi, Yaki Gaddafi, then a stop who can cut me. You know, it's just, it was well thought of. You know, it was not just people don't give rappers enough credit for how intelligent they are, how well read they are. Yeah, you know, how they can pick up how they've read books about fighting techniques and they bring it to the raps. Mm. You know, so it's you know, it's always interesting to, to dig you know, deeper into the surface. I've kind of stopped reading interviews, watching interviews on Tupac now because it's always the same question. Do you think Tupac should have won a vest that night? My nigga. Oh. <laughs> who, who asked that, man? It's just, it's just the same questions. Do you think Chuck should have, you know, driven left when he went right? It's like, who, what? You know, you get how many all... play by plays are you going to do on the same? How many? They ask the same questions from different, even when they bring Napoleon back. This is what he, this is what he loves to ask. I just love that. All right, so um, that night in Vegas, give me a play by play how that day went, like from when you woke up. <laughs> what the hell? Well, I had my fruity loops that day because I like, usually I had Cheerios. Obviously, there was no milk in the fridge, right? So we had to go on. Guess who was on the milk car missing? Puck. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the weird questions, and it's just you know, it's just it's just the same question. It must yeah. be it must be difficult for a lot of people, especially if you grew up if you were in that Tupac camp. 
if you're invited on Sway in the morning as you know the outlaws, don't nobody want to hear what the outlaws have to say. You know the question, yo man, it's good to have you along, man. We go, I met y'all in the bay, right? Yeah, yeah, two of those, right? So when Park was twenty, <laughs> <laughs> but that goes back to my question of can you be okay with basically being in the shadow of a star? I also to get on Sway in the morning. Hundred percent. I hear you, bro. I hear you. It makes sense. It makes sense, but you just have to know that for the rest of your life, if somebody interviews you or meets you, mm-hmm. the, the way in which they're going to know you is mm-hmm. I used to roll with Puck, and then when they're going to ask you about Puck. There's a reference when I shook Tretch's hand. This is going to sound hella hella fanboy. I was trembling, bro. I was I was so in awe because this is someone who knew Puck, who rolled with Puck, and had Puck's tattoo on his forearm. I was like, oh my God, Tretch. This is as closest to Puck I will ever be. Mad. So there is something in that. You don't think I would interview Idi Amin? Come on. And what I'm saying to you is this. If you were in Chappelle's camp, you think, what's the name of um, Donnell Rollins? You think he cares that people ask him? That even if he said to him, you're Chappelle's bitch, mm-hmm, I'd rather his bitch. Who you, who's your, who are you? You are here in the comedy store openers, bitch. Bruh. Bro, I hear you. No, I hear you, no, man. I, and, and it's a good thing to know as a person your position in, in everything. You play yeah. position, bro. Some people are there to sell those records. Some people are there to support it. My, my brother, that's one thing I always envied about my brother, what I loved about him. When I was doing backing vocals for Amy Winehouse, he never made that about him. And and to be honest, that's I think that's a sign of big maturity. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, if you're part of that championship winning squad with Jordan, um, right. you, you, you're probably... Only, only real basketball fans probably gonna give you that love or that recognition. But if you are truly, if you truly went in, in there for the game, you probably get more satisfaction knowing that you're the one that passed it to him on that final layup mm-hmm. than you get from well, you know necessarily Kobe, being the big star. Kobe scored eighty-one points in the game, and Kwame Brown was like, "Who do you think was setting screen so he could get open?" Bro, you know? these are the real questions we do need to ask. Can you imagine playing with Messi and you're only mad because they never really used to square me the ball? Nigga, we had someone that could do something with it. Yeah. And so you have to understand in life, Messi is the greatest player of all time, but he will tell you, thank God for Busquets in my team. Thank God for the left back that we had. They share in that greatness. That's a really good point to end on, man. I think we need to... This nigga wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really no, but that's a really good point right there, man. It's... Just before we say that, it's an insane point. It's such a good lesson to learn. Know your position, and you'll be rewarded. My dad used to say to me, "Yeah, the reason he when you go when he went to go when he goes to the church, he said that we always sit at the back. When you play a position in that church, they will bring you to the front one day. Mm. You always get that person that wants to sit in the front. Mummy, G-O-C-O, throw, throw, that's all right. And everybody's like, you know what? She floats into the front. Everybody's uncleared the dust. There's always yeah. room for that. If Beyonce walks into a room today, everybody, mm. the cameras are going to be on. But believe me, someone styled the dress she's wearing. Mm. You know? So like you said, there's no limit to where a man can go. He doesn't mind who takes the credit. But sometimes, you know, you're going to want to take the credit. It's just human nature. I hear that. Back notes. I hear that. Guys, much love, man, as always. Thank you for those of you who keep listening to the pod. Keep sharing it. Um, you know, we did the Spotify Wrapped, um, and I think 21 of you uh, have this podcast as your most listened. My brother was in that list. What's that? My brother was in that list. 
fantastic fantastic man such a such a big honor i appreciate every single one of you that's given us um your time your effort your ears such an um, honor to hear our voices man i'm just i just hope you guys understand what you're listening to right now go ahead Ola. yeah i know it's much love and it's much appreciation shout out forever to the bq squad listening to the bq pod hit up fumbi on fumbi at fumbi on Mateo. On Instagram, yeah, I, if I don't buy it. I mean, I won't respond, but I still just slide in. You know, that's like double before. That's like pretend my games is popping. Yep, I um, and at Fumbi on Twitter, and then I'm at all of the comedian on anything because that's on neighborhood. That's on Crip. All right, guys, stay blessed, man. Peace. Peace.